First, I want to say thank you to everyone who participated in Pastor Appreciation, who's sent me a card, who's given me a, a prayer, a well wish. Just, it's been so overwhelming. Thank you so much. I am uh, a man most blessed. The pastor of this congregation is fortunate indeed. And I'm sure Chris and the rest of the staff would echo those sentiments. So thank you very much. A couple of things I want to call attention to. Um, in your bulletins, there is a survey. Please, if you have time, uh, there are pins in the pews in front of you. You can fill those out, dropping, drop them off back at the coffee bar. Um, Keep them throughout the week, fill them out, drop them off at the office. That would be fine as well. Also want to call attention to the first Sunday of November. We are going to have a potluck meal together after the worship service. And it's going to be a time, it's going to be really low-key. We're not doing a whole lot of planning for this potluck, so we'll see how that turns out. But we just want you to show up, bring some food with you, and we're just going to have a conversation, sort of following up after Chris's message last week, about ideas for putting feet to our faith, getting our faith in motion. What does that look like? And what can we do? So uh, mark your calendars November 5th. And then also just want to call attention to the back of the bulletin. It has a listing of all of the abundant life groups that are going on, and we are so blessed. There are several of them. Are you in one? That's the big question. Have you carved out some time, been intentional about your walk with Christ, and determined that, yeah, Sunday mornings are great, but I need something more, just as Chris was saying last week, to go deeper to provide some impetus and some growth opportunity to your faith. So take a look at the different Abundant Life groups. We've been having a great time in my Abundant Life group on Wednesday night. I'm sure the other ones are having good times as well. Uh, There is one additional group that is not listed here that we'll get in the bulletin next week. Um, But anyway, lots of opportunity for us to get involved and to become more in fellowship with one another. So, Book of Psalms has a whole wide array of topics and issues that it deals with. It goes from the soaring heights of praising an almighty, eternal, sovereign God and the recognition of the glory of that God and his creation. And at times, as we are going to experience here this morning, it plums the depths of sorrow and difficulty and hard times. David was a man who experienced the whole range of human emotion. And we are blessed by what he has shared with us in the Psalms. Psalm 6 is a psalm that addresses the discipline of the Lord. The reality that the Lord calls us His children. First verse, listen to this. Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. 
So David starts out with a recognition that he is in a relationship with the Lord. And as a result of that relationship, the Lord occasionally will rebuke him. That there will be a need for discipline in David's life. And it's true for us as well. And, and here's the wonderful thing that you need to absolutely walk away with this morning. Behold what manner of love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called the sons and the daughters of God. That's out of 1 John chapter 3. John is blown away by the realization that God has adopted us into his family as sons and daughters. He has given us his very presence, the Holy Spirit indwelling each one of us. And it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 14, that all those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons and the daughters of God. So we're in this relationship with the sovereign Creator God whereupon He calls each one of us who have trusted in Him child, son, daughter. We're in an intimate relationship with him for good. A relationship for good. Just as I read out of Jeremiah 29, I know the plans I have for you. Plans for a future and for a hope. But in the midst of that, there will come times where we need to be disciplined. Where we need to encounter God's loving hand of correction upon our lives. And while I say loving hand of correction, and that is absolutely accurate, I have to, along with David, acknowledge that sometimes that is very difficult. Discipline is a hard thing. In Hebrews chapter 12, we read with regards to discipline. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? And if you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not a legitimate child not a true son or daughter at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? So here is this uh, clarification of the difficulties that we go through. The difficulties that we go through as Christians have purpose, have meaning. I have had this same conversation with so many people. But I wonder sometimes in the suffering that non-Christians go through, how, what do they hold on to? 
Where is their hope in that suffering? How do they put it into perspective within their life without the realization that there is a sovereign God who loves them? Is it just meaningless suffering and then they die? For the Christian, for you and for me, for all of us who are sons and daughters of the Father God, there is purpose in our pain. He is accomplishing something in that suffering that we go through. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him, who are the called according to his purpose. Now, I want to say that again to you. God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him according to his purpose. So whatever you're going through, whatever difficulty you're experiencing, God is working that out for good in your life. And in an ultimate sense, he is shaping your life to look like Jesus Christ. We are being conformed into his image each and every day that we live. Now, the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So we are moving from glory to glory. He is crafting us into the image of Jesus Christ. He is causing all things to work together for good. He loves us. And therefore, He disciplines us. That was what David was experiencing. Now David, because he did not have the full revelation of Jesus Christ did not understand this, but he was asking the Lord, don't rebuke me in your anger. Do not discipline me in your wrath. What David did not fully understand, which we can now appreciate as Christians, is we are not destined to experience God's wrath. That's what it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8. You are not destined for wrath but for salvation through Jesus Christ. God is not angry at you. He's not disappointed in you. When He looks upon you, He sees His Son, Jesus Christ, because you are in Christ. Perfect love, the Apostle John says, casts out fear. Because fear involves punishment. And as his children, he is not out to punish you. He is not out to exert his wrath upon you. He loves you. And his discipline is designed specifically for you that you might grow in faith 
and into the image of Jesus Christ. So important that you get this because a lot of Christians, myself included, will say this, God, why are you angry at me? What have I done to offend you? And that's the wrong sentiment. It's absolutely the wrong sentiment. God is not angry at you. He loves you. He delights in you. He rejoices over you. But He will discipline you. Again, in order to fashion you into the image of Jesus Christ. So David acknowledges the reality of his need for discipline and rebuke. And he says in verse 2, Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am faint. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. Now, this is a, a psalm of penitence. And it's possible that David here is experiencing physical sickness as a means of God's discipline upon him. In Psalm 32, David said, My bones were filled with pain until I confessed my sin to you, Lord. So it's possible that here David is being disciplined for sin, or it is possible that God is disciplining him to purify him. Because we do get disciplined for both of those things. When we have sin in our life that is unconfessed, that we have yet to repent of, God is not going to allow us as His children to continue in that behavior. It's harmful to us. It's harmful to the church. And it's harmful to the non-Christian who is looking at our lives and wondering, what's going on here? There's a disconnect. It's incongruent. They say they're a Christian, but they're living in sin. God will discipline us when we sin to call us back to Himself, to a full reception of His forgiveness. But He also disciplines us when we are not doing anything sinful per se, but we need to be purified. This is what happened to Job. At the very beginning of the book of Job, Satan has come before him, and this is the Lord's testimony of Job. Would that this would be his testimony of each one of us, but listen to what God says about Job. Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. That's a pretty good testimony, huh? And yet, God, for sovereign reasons that he never fully revealed, allowed Job to be tested by Satan. Lost much of his estate. Many of his sons and daughters died. Ultimately was afflicted with boils and a painful illness. What was it all about? Of course, we go through all of the chapters of Job where Job's counselors and Job himself are trying to figure God out, trying to assign God's purposes behind Job's sufferings. And they were never able to do that. And God did not answer the question. 
He just said, were you there with me when I command the morning? Were you there when the sons of God sang at the creation? Of course, Job wasn't. So sometimes God disciplines us when he's just working in our lives for his sovereign purpose. There's no sin that we need to confess. There is no circumstance in our life that he is trying to redirect us from. He is just conforming us to the image of Jesus Christ. And that's an important thing to remember. In Matthew chapter 4, the very first verse, Jesus, after his baptism, after the testimony of the Father regarding him, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus was led, it says, into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit in order to be tested for 40 days and 40 nights by Satan. It was the Spirit's leading of Jesus Christ into the wilderness. And there he was tested. In the book of Hebrews, it says this of Jesus. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Though he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once he was made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him designated by God to be a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Now stop and think about what I have just said to you. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the second person in the Trinity, the one who was from eternity to eternity, when he became flesh and walked among us, he too was led by the Spirit. He too was tested. He too experienced discipline and learned obedience through his suffering. He himself said, in the world you will have tribulation, but take courage because I have overcome the world. If we are going to be like Jesus, we are going to follow a path that oftentimes reflects very closely his experience. Are you in ministry? You're going to have someone who betrays you? Are you reaching out to a lost and a dying world? You are going to have people who ridicule you and cast aspersions upon you. We were not born into fornication like this guy. Jesus experienced all of that stuff. He is the model for us. So when we experience the loving hand of God's discipline. Don't ever mistake the reality that God loves you in it and that he is growing you through it. My soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord, how long? Turn, Lord, and deliver me. Save me because of your unfailing love. Among the dead, no one proclaims your name. Who praises you from the grave? In other words, am I going to be taken to the grave with this illness, Lord? Are you going to take this discipline all the way and kill me? 
I'm worn out from my groaning. All night long I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. They fail because of all my foes. Here we are seeing described the process of discipline. How long, O Lord, David cries out, am I going to have to go through this? Inherent in that statement is an understanding that there will be an end to the discipline. David says, I hope it's not death, but I understand that there will be an end to this discipline. But as I go through it, Lord, it is so extraordinarily intense. It's excruciatingly painful. My eyes grow weak with sorrow and fail me because of my foes. All night long I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. Can you relate to that, any of you? I'm sure you can. Each one of us in here, at some point or another, have been through something like this. Now, it's so important when we are going through God's discipline that we not compare ourselves to others. There is an intensity that is perfectly suited to each one of us. God knows what we need. How long, O Lord? As long as it takes you to learn the lesson. Nina Wilkinson used to say to me, God will get his message across to you in the sweetest way you let him. But sometimes we're a little bit obstinate, aren't we? We're a little bit hard of hearing. We continue on in our behavior. We don't pay attention to the fact that God is trying to work something out in us. And it takes a while. How long, O Lord? As long as it takes. But the Apostle Paul said to the Corinthians, he said, God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond that which you are able to withstand. And with every testing, he will provide a way of escape. And what is the way of escape? It's obedience. It's a listening ear. It's a turn towards the Lord. Whether it's away from sin or just closer to him. That's what the Lord is looking for. It says that Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the suffering of the cross. And see, that's all about relationship. That's all about coming into a relationship with God and understanding the nature of the relationship. He's God and I'm not. He knows everything and I don't. And so I have to submit in holy reverence to him when he is working something out in my life. John, when he was on the island of Patmos, said, I am your brother and companion in tribulation and suffering, in the kingdom and in the patience of Jesus Christ. I too, like you, have gone through these times of intense, difficult discipline. 
Sometimes it's been because of my sin. Other times because God is working out his purpose in me. About two months ago, I began to fall under the hand of God's discipline. Not for any sin that I was aware of or that the Lord revealed to me, but his hand was heavy upon me. Now, some of you will be able to relate to this. Others perhaps not. But I am a man who is prone to depression. Before I became a Christian, I would go into extraordinarily dark places. During the several years that I was addicted to drugs, there were a couple of times I attempted suicide. Unsuccessfully. But after I became a Christian, and some of the stuff I'm saying to you, I began to realize there's a purpose in some of this pain. God loves me. He has his hand upon me. And I began to grow and learn that I could work through those times of depression, of discouragement, of doubt, through faith, through trust, through prayer, through the word of God. Why so downcast, O my soul? The psalmist writes, put your hope in God. And I learned to overcome my depression that way. Early in my my marriage, Christy could testify to this, there were at least two times a year where I would go into what I would call my dark place for a week, maybe two weeks. But I grew out of that. But a couple months ago, messenger of Satan sent to buffet me began to attack. And I began to fall under the Lord's discipline. And just as as Paul in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 was suffering from a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan sent to buffet him, but it was God's hand of discipline upon him so that he did not elevate himself or become proud of what he had achieved. God was using Satan in my life to discipline me, to teach me. And I went through a period of doubt and discouragement that culminated about a week and a half ago. And four nights without sleep, Four nights just wrestling in prayer. And for those of you who don't sleep well, you can relate to this. I generally sleep really well. My head hits the pillow, and then I wake up in the morning. But for these four nights, I couldn't sleep. Doubt after doubt. Defeating thought after defeating thought. Minute after minute hour after hour for those four nights. And the third night, the messenger of Satan began to manifest itself. And there were some things that happened to me that I'm not going to talk about here, but it was intense. It was hard. 
I had yet another night to go through, fourth night. I wasn't going to teach Psalm 6 until I had this experience. And it just occurred to me, as I was drenching my bed with tears, that there are others out here who are going through the same thing. Hard times, difficult experience. The hand of the Lord upon you. And I came out of that not with any great insight, just sort of an acceptance that God was at work, that God loved me. I didn't hear his voice speak to me, but I understood that he loved me and was disciplining me for a purpose that I didn't fully understand. And, and, and that's what happens here in, in, in verse 8. David says, Away from me, all you who do evil, for the Lord has heard my weeping. The Lord has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies will be overwhelmed with shame and anguish. They will turn back and suddenly be put to shame. David enters back into the relationship with the Lord after all of these nights of tears and his eyes growing weak. He acknowledges that the Lord has heard his cry, that he is in relationship with a God who loves him and has a purpose for him. David does not necessarily understand what was going on here. And this is where relationship with God is so important. Faith in God is so critical. Trust in God is so primal. Because you're not always going to understand what you went through or why you went through it. You're not always going to be able to piece the puzzle together and understand how does this work together for good in my life. That's not always going to be the case. Sometimes it might be. Sometimes it might be very apparent. But other times, you're going to come out of it like I did not really understanding what you've just been through, but you'll have a basic recognition that God loves me. See, when, when, when you're confronted with things that you don't understand, you must fall back upon the things that you do understand. God is love. And if God gave his son for me and died on my behalf, how will he not freely give me all things. And that's what I held on to coming out of that. That's what I was clinging to. Not that I understood what I went through, but that I knew God had heard my prayer and that God loved me. David, when he was a young man, worked as a shepherd with his father's flock. And the Bible describes that there were times where either a lion or perhaps a bear would come into the flock and pull one of the sheep away. And David would have to confront that challenge. Take on the lion or the bear in order to protect the sheep. But those trials, those difficulties prepared him for when he came to the army of Israel who was cowering in fear because of Goliath. 
And David said to Saul, he said, I have overcome the lion and the bear. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he taunts the armies of the living God? The the challenge with the lion and the bear prepared David for the greater challenge that awaited him in Goliath. Later, King Saul was chasing David all over Israel. Throughout the wilderness, David would have to hide in caves and run from Saul because Saul was intent upon killing him. But it was in that period of time that God was preparing David for the much greater trial of when his son Absalom raised up a rebellion against him. And David, as a much older man, had to go back into the wilderness, running from his own flesh. You may be facing a lion or a bear today, but it's only because God knows there's a Goliath in your future that he is preparing you for. Perhaps you are in the wilderness wondering, where is God? I am alone. I have been forsaken. Saul chases me everywhere I go. God is allowing that in your life because he knows there is a much greater challenge that he is preparing you for. The betrayal of someone that you love, that has broken bread with you. Ultimately, in all of this tribulation and trial, in all of this suffering and sickness, in the discipline of God, what you can rest assured of is just as the refiner of the gold is nearby the fire, and just as the potter is nearby the clay as it is fired, so too God is nearby you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He leads you, the Bible says, into triumph, into an overcoming life. This Christian life is not about pleasure. This Christian life is not about ease. If you think it is, you're reading a different Bible than the one I'm reading. But it is about love. And it is about hope. And it is about faith. And it is about a God who is ever-present. We thank you, Father, for your love toward us, the grace that you have bestowed upon us in Jesus Christ. I pray for each one here this morning who is undergoing the refiner's fire. Each one here this morning, Lord, who is being shaped by you into Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, your sustaining spirit to encourage them to draw them close to you and to strengthen them for what lies ahead. 
We give you thanks and praise that you love us enough to discipline us for our own good, according to your will. In Jesus' name, amen.